Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Show number two today. I'm not tired yet. Are you guys tired yet? I'm not tired yet. I didn't get a chance to show everybody the uh, fun shirt from my earlier podcast. This is a brand new shirt, courtesy of the good folks at Target USA. It's Mario Kart. It's Fun Shirt Tuesday, everybody. Every day is a fun shirt day. If you want it to be, every day is a fun shirt day. Uh, Good day to you all. Happy Tuesday. This is our recap show. We do these. uh, It's fun having a couple of shows a day this year. Really leaning hard into the podcast and uh, YouTube and social and optics side of things here in uh, 2023-24. And uh, I'd say the results have been pretty good so far. So hello, everyone. I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers over on social media. Again, I hope you will find me over there if you haven't already. At uh, well, the spelling is D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or again, you can just search Dan from Hoopball or Dan from Sports Ethos. It'll pop right up there. Pretty cool guy, huh, to be able to show up in a search engine? Wowee. Wowee, indeed. All right, well, I feel like I just did a show. We did our buy low show first thing in the morning today, and so I feel like I'm repeating myself a bit, but please do, folks, take a moment here at the front end to hit like if you're watching on YouTube subscribe wherever you're taking in the show, whether it's on YouTube or traditional podcast channels. That subscription button goes a long, long way. And if you have 90 seconds to go drop a five-star review on it, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, uh, that is also a very large deal. The comments section will be generally responded to. Again, great way to get a hold of me is the uh, once the show is fully posted, I think when it's live, I don't know if you can do it when the show is live. I don't think so. But once the show is over, uh, you can use the comments section. Great opportunity to get a hold of me. Also, uh, again, over in Discord, that link is in the show description. You can hang out with me. You can hang out with the other Sports Ethos pros. Lots of other people that watch these shows, listen to these shows, read our stuff. Just a really cool uh, spot that everybody's sort of helping each other in right now. Very cool that that's come around this year. Quite excited about that. We have a giant Monday card to review, so I don't want to mess around too much longer. But again, uh, stressing, cannot stress enough to come find me on social media. Let us begin. Clippers smoke the Pacers, put up a buck 51 in regulation because the Pacers can't guard anybody right now. And you know what? I don't care because that's great for fantasy purposes. And it's great for James Harden, who put up a ridiculous line last night. 35 points, 9 assists, a steal, a block, 8 three-pointers on 12 out of 16 shooting, 3 three for 3 at the free throw line, only one turnover. Harden right now, after what I think we could argue was a relatively slow start to the year because, you know, he's feeling out his new team, has been a freaking menace. Last two, three weeks, three weeks now, is it a month actually? Last three weeks he's number five. Last month, he's number eight. So it sort of happened, I guess, somewhere between three weeks and four weeks ago, or it really started to click in for James. And the really amazing thing is that, so over the last month, Harden is averaging 20.5 points, nine assists, 2.7 defensive stats, 3.3 three-pointers, and he's doing it on 51.5% from the field and 90% at the free throw line on six attempts per game. 
First of all, it's wild that that makes him the number five player in fantasy these days because Joel Embiid uh, is doing unheard of things over the last, I guess, three weeks it is now. Shea continues to be outstanding. Luka's been really terrific this year. And then the funny little footnote here is that the other player in the top five is Kawhi Leonard, Harden's teammate on the Clippers, who's shooting 63% over that stretch. Life is good if you're an old man on the Clippers right now, and I have a lot of those guys. If Itza Zubats is on one of his little hot runs, that's fine. You obviously play him while that's going on. Uh, Paul George is back, and he's settling back in. Clippers are just roasting people. Uh, all these guys are... Or the superstars are obviously rostered. Norman Powell was the one you're sort of watching when PG was out. Powell had 19 points yesterday, um, and that's fine. You know, he ended up being in most of their lineups, but it hasn't been consistent enough. So more of a schedule play on Norm. As far as the Pacers go, Halliburton is finally slowing down a little bit, which, you know, he's human. He's still number five in nine cat, but he has fallen back into sort of like the next group of players. He'll be fine. He was on a crazy run. Guys have ups and downs over a long season. I think he'll be okay. He may be working through some uh, injury-related stuff as well. So, no, I'm not worried about Halliburton. In fact, maybe this is an opportunity to buy low on him. Not that number five is low, but if somebody's getting annoyed, maybe you could get him for someone more towards the back end of the first round, like a Scotty Barnes or a Kevin Durant even over these last uh, month. KD, I think he's like number 10. So... Maybe. Opportunity to maybe just sort of trade up within the first round? Maybe not. Benedict Matherin had 34 points. He does this once in a while, and that's like the best way I can think to describe it because there's been nothing at all consistent about Matherin this year. Last one of these he had was December 11th. 30 points, 7 rebound, 8 assists, monster game, and then he did nothing for three games after that. And then he went huge in this one. And there's just sort of, to quote, quote the great Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, there's no earthly way of knowing which direction Matherin's going. If you want to pick him up, have at it. I just, I couldn't possibly believe that this is going to happen again for another four ball games. Aaron Neesmith seems to be a relatively safe schedule play type of guy. Same story with Obi Toppin. Uh, these are not guys that I feel comfortable dropping into a roto lineup on the day-to-day. -day. Uh, Buddy Heald, I'm going to keep playing. He was a little better in this ballgame. He's been a bit up and down, but you know minutes were there here. Bruce Brown, I think, has kind of fallen out of the roto play department. It feels like he's settling more into a head-to-head -head stream He's number 128. He's back there with Neesmith, frankly. Um, guys like Kevin Herter, P.J. Washington are all in that same range. Bobby Portis. These are sort of the stream while hot group, which also is the play them in head-to-head -head on schedule day group, but not the Roto Games Cap group. I'm a little surprised by that. I thought I thought Bruce Brown getting coming in here, getting a bunch of money, they'd give him a little something to do, and he'd you know be in that sort of ninety to one hundred and five range. But he hadn't been able to hold on there. Meantime, Isaiah Jackson got the start with no Miles Turner in this ball game, and he was pretty serviceable, missed some free throws, but otherwise not a ton to complain about here. If Miles misses another ball game, 
I'm okay with starting Isaiah Jackson. Let's keep going. Houston lost in Cleveland in overtime. Who doesn't love a little extra overtime fantasy stats? Freddie Van Vliet, 27 points, 8 boards, 17 assists, 2 steals, a block, and 4 three-pointers. Freddie has arrived. He's now up to number 33 in 9-cat. We called him a buy low when he was hovering near 50. He's been moving up the board steadily the last two weeks. He's actually uh, inside the top 25 over the last month, Van Vliet. So it's actually been kind of longer, I think, than people realize. I think he's number 21 over the last month. He's no longer a buy low. He's now beating his ADP, and this is why I ended up with so much Fred Van Vliet. I did, like, coming into the season, I didn't think he was going to be a target of mine because his first Yahoo pre-rank was, like, 25-ish, and it felt like he would probably do a little bit less in Houston. So I wanted to account for a fall-off from top 20. But then he started going near 40. And I thought, well, this is, that's too far. And everything looked good except the steals. As those have begun to show up a little bit more, he's been climbing the board, and then, of course, this giant ball game is going to rocket boost him forward. But that's why. I have a lot of Fred Van Vliet, and I don't regret it even for a moment. Notables on that Houston side. It's really Tara Eason. Played 33 minutes in this one, 14-8-2 with four steals and a block. Again, I have no idea why it took everybody so long to roster him. I said we just needed to see him do it twice. Uh, he did it twice. I got him in a few places. I didn't bid enough to get him in a few spots. That was foolish on my part, but I feel good about the places where he's actually on my team, so we'll just uh, celebrate those and try not to mourn the fact that I didn't go high enough on my fab in those Yahoo prize leagues to get him in all of them. Cleveland, uh, things going mostly how you'd expect. Karis LeVert is doing enough. He has his inefficiency issues, but the volume has been high enough with no Darius Garland to where he can be started. Isaac Okoro has actually been decent the last couple of ball games, but I could not, could not care any less about that. Dean Wade, don't care. Sam Merrill, don't care. Max Struess, a uh, slight bounce back game. He's still in a shooting slump. Over the last two or three weeks, he's shooting like 33%, and that'll be better. And we know how shooters run hot and cold. At some point here, he's going to have like a three or four game run where he's shooting 55 or 60%. And then he'll go back to where he was before. So no real fears there because the minutes and opportunity are fine. And then Jared Allen, if you're wondering why he petered out after a couple of good ball games, he left with an injury, actually came back later in the ball game, but also had five fouls in his 29 minutes. He'll be fine. Chicago beat Philly on the road. It's a nice win for the Bulls, but more than anything, this was a sign that Philly had played too many horrible teams in a row. 76ers, I think, had played exclusively, like, true basement-level opponents for, like, four consecutive ball games. They blew out the Wizards by 45, blew out the Pistons by 18, and then blew them out by 32 in games in a row, and then blew out the Hornets by 53, and the Bulls are not what you'd call a good team necessarily, but they are at least somewhat competent. They're 11 and 17. Bad, but the Hornets are 7 and 18, the Wizards are 4 and 22, and the Pistons are 2 and 25. There's a gap between those teams and Bulls, Raptors, Hawks, which is kind of like the next tier up in the Eastern Conference. And the Bulls kind of caught them with their pants down. Sixers, I'm sure, would be the first to admit it. 
Kobe White continues to surge with no Zach Levine. Vooch, he always seems to play pretty well against Embiid. It feels like it wakes him up, I guess. Vooch is having kind of an like an underappreciated season. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. The only thing we really need out of Vooch that hasn't been there so far is the field goal percent to go from 45, maybe back up to like 46, 47, 48. But even if it doesn't, he was getting drafted in the 60s at the end, and he's in the 50s right now. And as expected, he's sort of like a clean single up the middle. He's also played in, I believe, all 28 Bulls games so far. So the run of durability continues. DeMar... Still not really shooting all that well, but five defensive stats, free throws starting to come around a little bit. I still believe DeMar is a a small buy low. We'll see. Uh, But the biggest news here, Alex Caruso. Not only came back, but actually survived an entire basketball game. He was a plus 18 in a game the Bulls won by four. He's their winner. Like, if Caruso can stay on the floor... The Bulls can be competitive in basically every ball game, and if he doesn't, it gets ugly. If Caruso is is healthy, I'm playing him because in 30 minutes he's a top 65 fantasy play, and that's basically what he did here. If he gets hurt and leaves after seven minutes, that's where the whole thing blows up in your face. Patrick Williams is the question mark, I think, because, you know, White, Vooch, DeRozan, Caruso, these are guys that are starting if they're healthy. Dosumo, you're not if all those other guys are healthy. Patrick Williams is the one that's on the fence. I think you could start him in head-to-head, and there wouldn't really be any downside to that, and if, you know, provided the Bulls' schedule is not some kind of unmitigated disaster. And this week, their schedule is solid. They have four games in six days to start the week. Uh, they go three times next week, which is, you know, middling, I guess. And, and maybe at that point you rethink whether or not Patrick Williams needs to be on your head-to-head roster. Roto, he's very much a coin flip right now because his percentages have been bouncing around a bit. He's not great field goal or free throw on the full season, 44 and 74. Last two weeks, he's at 49 and 71. That's been sort of just barely enough to get him inside the top 100 over that stretch. Over the last week, he's at 45 and 78. So one went down, the other one went up. We're talking about Patrick Williams' percentages here. That's put him just outside the top 100. So technically, I think in Roto, he is startable right now. Like just above 
the goal line. So not quite a coin flip, just a little better than that, like 60-40, yes, to starting Patrick Williams against your games cap. But also, if you have a loaded team, 60-40 might not be good enough. That's why he's sort of teetering on that thing. As far as the Sixers go, uh, Nick Batum suffered a little bit of hamstring tightness. Um, if he sits, that would be good for, well, Rob Covington, but I don't think he's playable, but good for Kelly Oubre because right now Oubre is not doing enough since he's come back uh, from his injury. His minutes haven't quite been there, but more than anything, the shot just isn't falling yet for him. Ten shots is pretty close to enough for Oubre, and so I'm kind of in between on Kelly right now. I think it'd be smart if you could hang on to him for like two or three more ball games, let the Sixers play a few more competitive ones, see what Oubre looks like in those. But I also get it. There's guys that popped up that you want to be able to drop someone for, like, you know, Tari Eason a couple games ago. And if someone else like that rolls along or a fantastic fill-in stream type of play, I don't think you're going to kick yourself too much if you had to move on. I just try to hang on a little bit longer just to see how this thing shakes out. And again, if you can't on Oubre, I get it. DeAnthony Melton is a hold. He goes through these ups and downs, but the defensive stats are always there. So nothing to worry on that one. And then Tobias Harris has been in a deep funk the last couple of weeks. His usage has fallen off a cliff, largely because of blowouts and also because Joel Embiid is just sort of insisting on doing everything right now. That is not going to hold all season long. Embiid's not going to take 28 shots a game. These types of runs is why I actually said leading up to the season, I thought Joel Embiid could be the number one player in fantasy, and he would be right now if Shea Gilgis-Alexander wasn't averaging almost three steals a game. That's the difference. If SGA falls to two steals per game, Embiid probably passes him. But again, this is what you were expecting. You were thinking Joel would take 22, 23 shots a night because Harden's gone, and so far he basically has. And 11.5 damn free throws that he's making at an 89% clip this year. Better than I thought. That would be on that one, too. Minnesota beat Miami, then it's always a good idea to fade a team getting star players back. Uh, Miami, obviously, like, they looked fine, and they'll be okay. But you knew it would take just a game or two for everybody to remember sort of where the pieces fit. And that's not to say that Hero and Bam didn't play well, uh, but there's a readjustment process. That's a betting thought. Doesn't really have anything to do with the outcome of this ballgame. Jaden McDaniels came back from Minnesota. He did have three blocks, but he hasn't really been a 12-teamer this year. Also fouled out in 30 minutes. Not a guy I, don't, I think you need to add. I would rather keep streaming Nas Reed until he cools off on that Minnesota side, and then everything else is pretty much as it was. Miami is the more interesting story from this ballgame because with Hero and Bam and Haywood Highsmith, by the way, not that that really mattered all that much, but even with Highsmith coming back and logging his 12 minutes, you had Adebayo playing 37, Hero playing 33, Haysmith 12. You're basically talking about some, what are we looking at here, like 82, 83 minutes, something like that. That matters because Caleb Martin's minutes went down to 22. Josh Richardson was at 26. Duncan Robinson was at 22. I don't see how any of those guys is playable if that's the minutes that they could get on any given night. And then Jaime Jaquez, who they liked more in this ballgame, still got 30 minutes, 
but only at eight points and three boards. Yes, he had two steals and two blocks. That floated his value. I don't think he's a safe play either. And you guys might notice I've left out one name because, like, a lot of the time I'd like to come out here and tell you that I know exactly what's going to happen with a particular player. I have no idea right now what's going on with Kevin Love. He's been amazing the last couple of weeks. He's pushed his full season value inside the top 150. And over the last three weeks, where is Kevin Love? I mean, I got to get, what is this, three weeks or is it two weeks? I got to figure this out. Over the last three weeks, Kevin Love is number 64. And I, like most of you, probably figured that that was largely because Bam and Highsmith were out. But those dudes were back yesterday, and Kevin Love still looked good in 24 minutes with three threes, 10 boards. He's always been a good rebounder. Four assists, good passer, great outlet passer. And then if he gets to the free throw line, he's good there too. Not going to get there as often these days because, you know, old, not like barreling towards the rim. But, and, and again, I don't know that I can make a confident call on Kevin Love because I don't think, and he played in their most recent back-to-back on top of everything else. If you're in a deep league, I think the, the answer to this is much clearer, and that's a yes. But a 12-teamer, this is like, it could all disappear in a moment. Remember, he started the year like this. It's easy to forget. First, like, two or three games of the season, Kevin Love was the starting power forward for the Heat. And it was like, oh, is this, is he going to, like, play every day and get a bunch of minutes? Because the first game of the year, he played 28 minutes. Then he played 20. Then he played 18. And then he didn't play for a week and a half. And there wasn't even really a great explanation given as to why. But after that, he basically did next to nothing until November 28th. He went like four weeks where he was an afterthought. And then all of a sudden, he started to play a little bit more again, although sporadically. But six games in a row now, he's cleared 20 minutes, including this most recent game with the Stars back. And so I just don't really know what the hell it is. I think you kind of need to just roster him to see what's going on. Because a 24-minute Kevin Love is a startable all-format guy. I still kind of can't believe that he's going to get 24 minutes all season long. It doesn't make any sense to me, and he's old and his body probably can't hit. I mean, there are very few players in the NBA that have more gray hair right now than Kevin Love, which, again, you know, some of the guys that would probably shave their head. But, like, this is, a, this is an NBA playing Silver Fox you don't see that type of stuff too often. You know? Like, his facial and head hair looks like my facial and head hair. Those dudes ain't in the NBA, let alone our fantasy assets. So, what I've done is anywhere I have someone that's easily droppable, I've just switched him out for Kevin Love. In Roto, I still am not playing him game to game because I'm petrified that that day is going to be the day he gets seven minutes. Head-to-head, he's been playable, so why the hell not? They have two more games this week, Wednesday, Friday. If you want to move on him from there, you can. They also play on Christmas Day, which is, you know, a small win. Maybe you move on after that. But I think, I think, I'm kind of talking myself into it live on air here. I think Kevin Love is an ad until we see his minutes evaporate, which they probably will at some point, but 
Not yet. Charlotte lost again in Toronto. I, I, I mean, you got to go back two years and ask what the crap they were doing bringing in Steve Clifford, who had already failed once. Seemed like things were trending in the right direction, and then they haven't been. Like, what is this? Is this a tank? Is this a team trying to win? I don't even know. Anyway, Terry Rozier remains an intense sell high while LaMelo Ball is out. Uh, Miles Bridges was not allowed into Canada because he has a pending court date for um, beating up the mother of his child. Allegedly, or I don't know, do I have to say allegedly? Hasn't it already been? Don't we already have proof of this? Well, regardless, Miles Bridges wasn't there. Uh, he'll be back for their next ball game, so don't like make a bunch of don't pick up Bryce McGowan's here because Gordon Hayward was also out. The big winner with Hayward and Bridges gone was PJ Washington, who's been very much a coin flip level player. Head to head, fine. Roto, no. But with both big wings out, then uh, Hornets sort of had no other choice but to give Washington big minutes, and he did good fantasy stuff with it. Nick Richards is a play as long as Mark Williams is out, and that's as far as I think we need to go on Charlotte. Oh, you guys might ask what to do with Brandon Miller. I think he's still a play. He's getting enough shots and minutes where that can remain as well. He might not be when LaMelo comes back. Just be ready for that. Toronto had something happen yesterday. Gary Trent played 35 minutes. Jakob Pertl only got 15. The uh, Hornets went small, and so, I mean, they... Went small. I don't know that that's a fair assessment because Nick Richards did play 32 minutes. But Pirtle was just bad. He turned the ball over a bunch of times. He looked like he was sort of out of sorts. So they just benched him. And Gary Trent got hot. And I don't think that's going to happen every ball game. So, frankly, I'm not going to worry about it. It's one of those situations where I think we can just go, okay, and keep moving. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, bad game also for OG Ananobi. Every time it looks like he's about to turn it up, then it turns it back down. It's getting frustrating. I still think he's a buy low, but it has been a bit of a frustrating run. Cade Cunningham had the line of the night with 43-5-7, did it on good efficiency, and Detroit still lost. That Atlanta defense is fun for opposing teams. Problem for Detroit is, uh, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich came back, and so then they had two guys that can put a basketball in a hoop. But two is still not really enough. Jalen Duran coming back will help this team whenever the hell that happens. Uh, but for now, he's out. And, uh, you know, Asar Thompson, even even he was bad here with just 19 minutes. There's literally nobody else on the Pistons besides Cade and Boyan that needs to be played right now. You can drop them all. Yeah, they stink. Okong will move back to the bench for the Hawks. So that was a little frustrating. But he still got 23 minutes, which is generally uh, about enough for him to be fantasy relevant. I liked it better when he was getting more minutes alongside Capella. Just didn't make as much sense in this ballgame. DeAndre Hunter falls very much into the stream while hot category of player. He's number 118 on the season. He'll go top 50 for two weeks and then top 200 for two weeks. So if you can catch him on the good side of that, go ahead. I just mostly leave it alone. Head-to-head -head side, it makes it a lot easier because, again, it's not counting against any sort of games cap. Roto, I... I basically just don't deal with Hunter. Uh, so again, I think the stream while warm guys, you guys can just sort of assume that they fall into the same bucket as the head-to-head -head schedule plays and the uh, roto-iffy kind of stuff. No other changes for the Hawks, so let's move on to Memphis OKC. 
Last game without John Morant went a lot like the other games without John Morant, and that's Memphis getting destroyed. Um, nobody was good for the Grizzlies in this game. Not one damn player. Uh, that's not fair. Zaire Williams actually had a pretty good game off the bench, but again, this was a blowout, so nobody cares. And things are about to change a lot, so don't read too much into this. Bismarck Biombo was out. If you're wondering why Xavier Tillman got the start for Memphis, don't read too much into that. Uh, Desmond Bain was worse. I think there's a chance, actually, that Bain and JJJ, the efficiency gains they could get with Ja and Smart, hopefully later this week coming back, could actually counterweight some of the usage stuff, but maybe not all of it. But again, for the Grizzlies, those are the four names. Bain, JJJ, Smart, Ja, that should be on rosters. And then it's also conceivable that a couple weeks from now we decide Smart doesn't even need to be on a roster. How about Chet Holmgren? Seven more blocks. He's got 15 blocks in his last two ball games, and he's up to 2.9 on the season now. Absurd. Wemby's at three. Brooke Lopez is at three. Chet is at 2.9, and then Anthony Davis is at 2.6. Those are your blockmeisters so far this year. And Chet moved up to number nine in nine cat on the shoulders of this incredible blocks run. Man, I'm glad he was the uh, lone. Call it, I think I called him a young, big swing on the old man squad. That one's paid off. Josh Giddy finally had a good ball game. I don't care. Let's keep going. Denver blew out Dallas, and this was what you guys, I mean, if you really pay close attention on these podcasts, we talked a bunch about the Mavericks stream-level guys, and I said I thought Tim Hardaway Jr. was probably the safest of the bunch, and even he was bad in this one. But at least he's going to get enough shots, typically, to be relevant. If this wasn't a blowout, I think Hardaway probably would have gotten another two or three shots. 15 shots for him with Kyrie out is enough. And then Luka, you know, versus the world right now. But then there's all these other guys. Dante Exum, who we're looking at like, okay, this guy's shooting like 70% over the last two weeks. He actually went five for five in this ballgame, but he doesn't do much else. And Dwight Powell filling in for Derek Lively. Doesn't do enough. Derek Jones Jr., does he really do enough? Eh. Grant Williams, nah. I mean, I know this was a blowout loss, so none of these guys got to do as much as usual, but this is why I'm afraid of the Dallas streamers. Because none of them really has that robust of a fantasy game where you're like, oh, well, this if this guy gets 30 minutes, he will definitely be a 100-range guy or better. Right now, Dante Exum has been that guy, but that's because he's been shooting 70%. Tim Hardaway Jr. is that guy in 30-plus minutes, but only when he's playing the role of second star, which he is right now, but he didn't get 30 minutes. So that's why of all those dudes, Hardaway's the one that I probably deploy in most formats right now, but again, be wary. Don't take anything away from the Nuggets side other than KCP coming back. Uh, none of these dudes really had to play beyond the middle of the third quarter, so this ballgame was kind of a clunker for fantasy. Let's move on mostly to Utah, because Brooklyn, they just look not great. I mean, we talked about Cam Thomas a bit this week already as one of uh, a few guys that I like to put in what I call the flip bucket, meaning when he gets hot like this, and he's been super hot now for two games in a row, you flip him, because all of a sudden people are like, ooh, he's a top 50 guy, and then they forget how ice cold he gets in between. So he'll shoot 55, 60% for three or four ball games in a row. He'll be a top 50, top 40 guy over that stretch, scoring 30 damn points a night. 
And then he'll get cold, and everybody will remember, oh, no. Like, he doesn't rebound or pass or really get many steals or blocks. All he really is are points and threes and free throw percent. And so when the points dry up and the field goal percent becomes a whopper of a negative, that's how you end up with a guy ranked basically where he is right now, which is number 100, right on the nose on Basketball Monster. 24 points a game, 2.43s, 45% super high volume from the field, 85% from the free throw line. There's your positives, basically, for him. But when he goes through, and right now he's shooting, what, 55% last two or three ball games. Well, at 45 for the year, that means that there are going to be some 20-shot games where he makes six or seven of them and drags you down. Top 40 for a couple weeks, top 200 for a couple of weeks. He's a flipper. See if you can flip him. Utah, though, uh, so first of all, Walker Kessler back in the starting five, and that's why every time he has sort of a weird, quiet game, I call him a buy low because we know what he can be. Colin Sexton shot the ball poorly here, but as playing the role of both Jordan Clarkson and Keontae George at the same time, he's very much a start. Um, uh, Fontecchio is still in the starting lineup because John Collins is still getting over the... he. He played, Collins played 20 minutes off the bench. He's still getting over that respiratory ailment. Presumably, he'll be back here as a starter, maybe next game or the one after that, so then you can use John Collins again. I'm sure someone out there is asking what to do with uh, Kelly Olynyk and Taylor Horton Tucker. Well, for Olynyk, now that he's back off the bench, he's a drop. THT, we've seen this very ugly starters-level thing enough this year to uh, feel pretty confident in not making him rosterable. Um, he scored in double figures in something like seven or eight consecutive ball games. but here's the thing about THT. He's on a steals run right now. He has nine steals in his last three ball games. Sometimes steals are okay, and sometimes he'll get you four or five assists, but for the most part, he's going to brutalize your field goal percent, your free throw percent, your turnovers. He doesn't rebound much. Typically doesn't hit many three-pointers. I know he had five in this ball game, but everybody gets caught up in the small sample size stuff. Not a nine-category guy. And also, again, at some point here, George and Clarkson are coming back, and then all of this is going to get reshuffled. Washington. This game ended closer than it actually was. If you're wondering why the Wizards starters didn't hit 30 minutes, this is the second half of a tough back-to-back. -to -back. Wizards were... Uh, I forget where they were the night before, but they played a pretty damn competitive ball game. Good news is that you actually got pretty good fantasy lines out of the the four main guys on this club. Tyus Jones has been excellent lately. We did a whole segment on him yesterday's, one of yesterday's shows. He's up to number 59 now inside the top 60 after another decent ball game. Jordan Poole has... Uh, become a spot-up shooter, which honestly is better for the Wizards if that's his role. Do not orchestrate. Dear God, Jordan Poole, don't orchestrate. And then Kyle Kuzma had a more efficient ball game here. He went 8 for 16 from the field, made all of his free throws, so that pushed him just back inside the top 100. But again, like anytime Kuzma has a big ball game, he's a sell. Um, with Poole, you're not going to get anything for him anyway, so there's sort of no point in trying to sell. Tyus Jones, I'm not selling. Because with every passing ball game... The Wizards let him run things more and more, and they are simply better when he's doing that. I think Denny Avdi has a drop. Uh, he was someone that I was low on coming into the season. 
I was ready to admit I was wrong about four weeks in when he was sitting near the top 80. And um, the world has pivoted and uh, made me right on that one. So, you know, good for me, I guess. He's back. He's number 140 in nine cat. He's been trending down. And he's another guy who's actually lost activity with more Tyus Jones. And then, I, you know, how many questions I have to answer about Bilal Kulbili? He's not startable until he reliably gets 10 shots or more per ball game because he's not a good foul shooter. He doesn't score much. He doesn't shoot the three much. He doesn't, re- he doesn't assist much. He can rebound all right, actually, for sort of a guard wing type. Decent steals. That's the nice stuff. So the rebounds, the steals, the blocks. There's an outline. I've said it before. I'll say it again. For Koulibaly, there's an outline of fantasy value, but as long as he's like seventh in the scoring pecking order, it's not going to get there yet. Anything on the Kings side? Uh, Harrison Barnes had a better scoring game, but, you know, who cares? Keegan Murray was great again. I mean, like, he was the... Again, I do believe he was basically the easiest buy-low call we've ever given out in the history of this show. When he was outside the top 100 basically just because he was shooting 38%. The sky was the limit. He's number 54 now. And then the Knicks beat the Lakers. I honestly, I don't know what the hell the Lakers were doing on defense in this ballgame because uh, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, Emmanuel quickly, they pretty much got whatever they wanted. Uh, but from a fantasy standpoint, you're not going to read too much into the Emmanuel quickly game. Every once in a while he gets warm, uh, and this is what happens. Josh Hart. I think tweaked an ankle partway through the game. I forget actually what had him out, but he came back. He's schedule play level only. Um, Hardenstein, this is a this is a perfect matchup for him because the Lakers can't rebound at all. So he got 17 boards. Jericho Sims hurt himself, so now Hardenstein's kind of the only option left besides Taj Gibson, who played five and a half minutes and was a minus eight. Hardenstein was a plus 15. So if you're worried about Taj Gibson taking the center minutes, I don't think you need to. And in the very short term, Hardenstein's going to play like 35, 36 minutes of ball game. So he now becomes a really good fill-in option. Because at 30 minutes, it was like, okay, yeah, he'll probably be like top 100. 35, 36, that's enough time for him to rack up a bunch of rebounding numbers. So again, I don't even care that they don't run any offense through him. The rebounds, the steals, the blocks, the field goal percent, Pray he doesn't go to the foul line. All of that's going to be enough now because there are literally no other options for the Knicks. I mean, he was an ad anyway for a low-end center, but now they're, now you're going to get a little bit of the upside clicked in. Lakers were mostly healthy in yesterday's ballgame. Jared Vanderbilt tweaked his heel partway through. That didn't get lodged in, in any box scores, but he may miss a game or two. And if he plays through it, you may see just sort of like diminished activity. Uh, but otherwise, it's sort of the usual group. AD, obviously, Braun, who uh, struggled to shoot the ball in yesterday's ball game, And I still feel like there's kind of an efficiency dip coming for LeBron, who's been crazy good so far this year in that regard. Reeves was solid. Um, you know, Honestly, he and Anthony Davis were probably the team's best offensive options. D'Lo's been... I feel like he's slowed down, and, and he actually looks like he's moving more slowly, but I, it, it's probably just a little bit of a confidence thing. He's running a little cold. He'll make a few shots. He'll see if you go in, and he'll get it kicked back up. Uh, not worried about D'Lo. I do think that this is... I don't know if you call it a buy low necessarily, because I don't know that he 
gets all the way back where he was, which was like right around 60. He's at 80 right now. Um, but if you can get him for like 80 to 100 range, if somebody thinks that he's trending that way, I think I would probably do it. And that's, I think, as far as you need to worry about going with any analysis on the Lakers' side. And uh, that is a recap of your extraordinarily busy Monday. We can do a very quick Tuesday preview because there's only four games on the docket. Before we do, I want to remind everybody again to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. This will be a quick read for them here, so uh, sit tight. Ethos 2-0. Ethos and then the numbers 2-0 to get 20% off. That's why it's the numbers 2-0. And free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. They have a holiday deal running at Manscaped right now for 10% off, but you got to use our code. Get the extra 10% off with code ethos 20 Get your lawnmower, get your handyman, take care of your holiday shopping in one spot for all the men that you're looking for a gift for. I promise you they will love it. I promise you they will use it basically forever. That's how good these products are at Manscaped. I have, we've been with them for like three years. They've sent me a lot of stuff and a lot of you guys have purchased their stuff. I don't know that I've heard a single complaint. It's pretty awesome. And again, quick mid-show reminder, you can hit me in the comments after the show on the YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash sportsethos. If you're listening after the fact, youtube.com slash sportsethos. And of course, do find me on social at Dan Bespris. Quickly here for Tuesday, Memphis, I mean, obviously the big story here is Ja. How many minutes does he play? Does he help? Does he hurt? That's a stupid way to phrase it because nothing could hurt this team worse than they're feeling right now. For New Orleans, a little bit of morning news. Zion is sick. Uh, he may or may not play. He's questionable right now. Um, and we got some news. Uh, Najee Marshall was questionable. He's been upgraded to probable. So he might actually be an interesting sort of one-game stream if Zion sits. Not for Roto. I'm thinking more head-to-head side. Jimmy Butler also just got ruled out, with, ruled out excuse me, with some calf soreness for the Heat. This feels like probably playing a little safe on the second half of a back-to-back. But all of a sudden, now you may get Heat streamers back in the mix again, like a Kyle Lowry, who sat out yesterday's ballgame. He's probably good enough to go uh, with Jimmy Butler sitting it out. I don't know about going the rest of the way, but again, we just talked about Kevin Love, so that could be something as well. Uh, oh, that ball game, you know, that game is tomorrow. My mistake, guys. That's not the half of a back-to-back. He just got ruled out a day and a half in advance. So that's actually kind of bad news. Sorry, guys. I downplayed it, but I shouldn't have. That's kind of unfortunate news, so that, that might mean that Jimmy Butler's missing a couple. Anyway, it does mean that we can look at heat streamers again. Spurs will be without Victor Wembanyama. That means that Zach Collins is probably good for a short little blip play tonight. I don't know how long Wemby's going to be out, but that's something to consider while the Spurs most likely get completely waxed by a Bucks team that's favored by 16.5 points, the spread for this ballgame. Holy shimoli. I don't think there's anything on the Bucks side that I'm all that interested in. Uh, nope. You know, I told you, we have one eye on Malachi Branham for the Spurs, but that's as far as I go there. And you'll just, you know, you'll see everybody take a few extra shots, and that may end up being a bad thing, honestly. Suns are in Portland. This is a game that they should probably win. Uh, You got the three big names, not Beal, uh, Durant, Booker, Nurk, and then Grayson Allen against a bad defense. Probably good enough in most formats for this ballgame. 
Portland's got their guys back now, and lately we've seen that that means Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton are startable. Malcolm Brogdon is falling out of the startable mix. Scoot is slowly trending up, but he's not quite there yet. And so that's why Portland's a team you kind of want to watch on the, maybe not even the day-to-day necessarily, but the week-to-week to see which direction they're shifting in who plays and how much. Boston, this is the front end of a back-to-back. They're in Golden State. They got Sacramento the following day, so we know Horford's going to miss one of those two ball games. Don't know about the rest of the team. Uh, presumably, it'll be the second half of the back-to-back, but we have no idea. So, mostly, who cares? And then Golden State, that one is the more interesting team on the late one. Uh, Brandon Pajemski has been excellent here since Draymond went down. Wiggins had a good ball game his last time around coming off of the bench. Does that mean he can repeat that? Jonathan Kaminga is your punt free throw stream play right now. Um, Would I deploy Andrew Wiggins against the games cap? Hell no. But I would consider picking him up on the head-to-head side just to see if something is beginning to click. And maybe it's just going up against second units. Maybe it's going out there and, you know, being like the main shooter on the floor and Chris Paul getting you looks instead of playing off of Clay and off of Steph in the first unit. Maybe this is the game that teaches us a little bit about how that whole thing shakes out. Uh, But again, with Wiggins, like we know if things break right for him, he can be a top 90 guy. And that's why I kind of want to say add just in case. And if it's terrible, then you just drop. I don't think he's going to hurt you that bad in one game on the head-to-head side. And then in Roto, you got unlimited moves anyway with your games cap league. So pick him up, see what happens. If you dump him at the end of the night, who the hell cares? How much did that hurt? We all love adding and dropping players anyway, so why not do it for funsies? All right, what do we got coming up here on uh, Fantasy NBA Today as we head towards the outlet of the show? Uh, Tomorrow, Wednesday, we will likely have our Sell High show along with a recap of this short Tuesday. I have a show that I badly want to do And I'd love your feedback on it if you guys have a moment. The show idea is not a typical mailbag show. Because sometimes, and I've done these before, and I know a lot of folks do them either for pod or live YouTube or whatever, where you come on and you just take questions from the live chat. I've done those before. I want to do something different. I want it to be a rate my trade show on the fly. I think that could be a lot of fun. And the reason I think it could be a lot of fun is because every time I ask on social for people to post trades that they've done, it blows up. That's like the most active threads that pop up on social these days. How are your trades going? So why don't we try porting that into a show? It could be an unmitigated disaster, but the only way to find out is to try. So my hope is that we can do something like that at some point later on this week. It's going to be questionable because of childcare stuff. Uh, but I'd love to get that show going at some point later this week. Then, of course, we'll have uh, our Friday weekend review show whenever the hell that gets out. Again, childcare related. And that's what's coming up here on Fantasy NBA Today. I still have I have all these specialty show ideas, and I have just no clue when the hell I'm going to get to do them. But damn it, at some point, they're going to happen. I don't even want to tell you about most of them because I think some are going to be so fun, and I'd love to surprise them with you with them. Uh, but... Anyway, that's where I sit on that one. I am Dan Bespris. That's, I guess, the only thing that matters at this point here. 
because we're signing off. At Dan Vespers on social, Fantasy NBA Today is a Sports Ethos presentation. Please check out what we've got going on at Sports Ethos, either at the website, in the Discord. Again, Discord link is in the show description. Sports Ethos, you can see on your screen, but most of you know what that is now, sportsethos.com. And those that want to bug me with questions, throw them in the comments, not the live chat, the comments after the show is done. I'll make sure to check those out at some point before I fall asleep tonight. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Dano signing off. We'll see you tomorrow. Or on social, I guess.